Brett, sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out. It's only films to be bettered with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a phone charger, and I love films. As Eleanor Roosevelt once said, do one thing every day that scares you. Yesterday I watched The Human Centipede and I'm still here, aren't I? Actual words to live by there from Eleanor Roosevelt. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that mean the most to them. Previous guests include Ricky Gervais, Catherine Ryan, James Acaster, Jamila Jamil, all sorts. But this week, my special guest is superstar comedy writer and Instagram story star, Mr. John DeWalt. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content, come and join me at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get extra guest questions, videos, guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of stuff. This week has 25 minutes extra with John. It will make you laugh, it will make you cry, and you will love it. Come get all this stuff ad and sponsor free over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Plus, if you go to podcastmerch.com forward slash films to be buried with, you can get yourself the ultimate in cool streetwear. You too can own caps, hoodies, baby bids, anything you like with things like Do You Worry About Death? And, oh, I've forgotten to tell you something, and troubling boners, worrying wide-ons, all over them. Have a look at podcastmerch.com forward slash film. Enough of all that. So, here we go. John DeWalt is a sitcom and film comedy writer who I've known for a few years. He does amazing things on Instagram stories where he mostly roasts The Rock and pretends that he's a fitness influence zaddy, and he's a very funny man. He's also genuinely has... One of the ultimate aspirational marriages you'll ever hear about in real life. And he was a pleasure to hang out with. We recorded this episode when I was working in LA earlier this year. And I think even if you didn't know him before this, by the end of this, you will really love him. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 66 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein and I am a man and I'm joined today by a stand-up, sometimes, an actor, occasionally, a writer of various hit TV shows, but his greatest achievement of all is as an Instagram star. Please welcome to the show... The incredible Mr. John DeWalt. Thank you for having me, Brad. It's so great to be here. Uh, thank I you for doing this. I appreciate you getting the order of my accomplishments correct. 
Uh, and also recently, uh, father, a yeah. zaddy. Yes. I'm now a zaddy, and I have a lot of people. I've been doing really just amazing videos on Instagram about being a zaddy and a hardcore zad in my zad cave. And everybody in my family has been texting me, what is a zaddy? And I've been, like, screenshotting the Google definition to a lot of people. But it's just, it's a dad who is uh, super attractive and really hot, and he dresses really well. And that's pretty much what a zaddy is. I don't know what uh, people don't get about it. Yeah, yeah. When they look at you and hang out with you. Yeah. What's the question? Whenever there's internet, like, young kid lingo, I definitely try to grab onto it. And I definitely try to have fun with it for no reason. So, I also love that you said that I'm a writer of hit TV shows. I've been on three canceled uh, shows. So, yes. But, but they were hits, I, briefly. Yeah. <laughs> they were hits according to your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of them, a couple of them had some had had potential, but no, they are they're all dead. Yeah, hang on, sure. is the Cool Kids been canceled? Cool Kids is canceled. Oh shit! I'm sorry, I didn't know. No, that. it's okay. We I tr- thought that was a did well. It did very well. It's a very uh, dicey, hot button Hollywood issue. Very political. Yeah. Disney bought 20th Century Fox. All the Fox executives who worked on our show no longer work at Fox, the uh... network. And you know, when a new new powerful executives come in, they don't want to do the show that you made, they want to do their shows. And uh, they also didn't, they had creative differences with my boss, the guy who hired me, so obviously yeah. I'm on his side <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, we had a bit of a difficult cast. And, and so oh, things that could have been a wonderful five-year experience were just all cratered to the ground uh, from every angle. Shit. I will say that Leslie Jordan is one of the best actors I've ever worked with. He's a delight. He's a charming man. He's so yeah. sweet. He's so game for anything. And I'll let you figure out the rest. That's all I'll say about the cast. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a lot of exclusives here. Now, for the people in England who listen to this show yeah. who may not know you yeah. yet. <laughs> for everyone in America also. Who doesn't <laughs> <know> me. <laughs> uh, we met, if, if you've been following this timeline, when I did the pilot with Bill Lawrence based out. You were there on set because you were going to be... A writer. Yeah, my correct? wife and I, yeah. Your wife. Now, tell me this. Yeah. You and your wife are a writing partnership, right? Yes. How on earth? <laughs> That's every meeting we've ever been to. That's the first question. Is how I don't know, man. I mean, we met doing comedy, which I think helped. We met doing improv in Chicago, and then right. we moved to L.A. together. We did, like, two-person improv shows. We did, like, web videos, sketch videos, if you will. Uh, and then we just started writing like scripts together, and we turned. We both thought we would be actors. I yeah. thought I would be on SNL. Um, she is more talented at acting than I am. But right. She hates auditioning. She just hates it, as I'm sure you do too. It's a really hard. Go do this thing and memorize it for spend three days of work on it, and then nothing yeah. happens all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> so. But wait, wait, no, yeah. it's three days. Memorize it. Do it on your own. Then walk into a room of six people who look fucking bored. <laughs> yeah. And stare yeah. at you and don't say hello. Yeah. Do it, then leave. Yeah, you then do one else. take and you're wondering if they're going like, to give you a note and you do a second take, but instead they're just like, thank you for your time, thanks for coming in. And you're like, all right. <laughs> they great. go, why are you doing it again? <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, we ended up becoming writers. We found that was a more stable career for our specific yeah, thing. Been- and we, she and I just work together. Like what I suck at, she's great at. And what I when I get mad about something, she's level-headed about it. So it's a, it's a really good partnership. How does your... Uh- I mean, it's absolutely fascinating to me that. So you're together all the time, you work together all the time. Do you have, like, a different way that you behave when you're at work together than you behave at home? I don't mean having sex, but I mean, like... Do <laughs> I you, don't do that at work. Do you, like... <laughs> she won't let me. <laughs> do you feel like you 
turn something off? And I don't, again, mean sex, but I mean, like, <laughs> do you act slightly differently with each other or do you feel like there's no difference? I would actually say, if I'm being honest, yeah. if I'm being suddenly sincere, uh, I, suddenly think, sincere. I think that I'm more on at work and I'm right. more persona at work. And I think I'm probably more realistic at home. Like maybe I'm a multi-cam version of myself at work, and I'm a single-cam version of myself at home, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yes. And she likes both. She does seem to like both, although she can get annoyed with the multi-cam version. So she's like, can we go home so you can stop being this <laughs> Yes, <job>? yes. Please. <laughs> yes, for sure. Ah, oh, interesting. And is she just single-cam 24-7? Yeah. Yes, yes. She's always grounded. She's always very likable. She's never yeah. annoying. She's, she's like a she's a she's a drama date. Yeah, she's a single. She's, like she's a forty-five indie. minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jennifer yeah. Love Hewitt. Yeah, yeah. Sort of vehicle. Yeah, there's like three or four jokes in it, and they call it a comedy. But it's really like a cancer-like <laughs> sad story, and she dies at the end. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's passed on a lot to the people around her. And, yeah, and yeah. Like, at the end, the final shot is like they they have built a garden in her name and. The end shot is just the garden with all the flowers blooming, and then it cuts to credits. <laughs> That's her. I love that. And what's your single cam show uh, when you're at home? What kind? Is it one of those like a man having a breakdown? Yeah. <laughs> starts guy into working crying. out. Guy working out while baby cries in the background is like, damn it! I guess I have to go tend to the baby. <laughs> no, man. I'm just. I'm a very lucky guy. I'm very happy, and we can talk about that. But like. I have the job, the career that I love. I have the woman. I got the woman that I love. And in high school, it didn't seem like I was going to be a guy who got the girl, but I got All the right. girl. I have a perfect baby daughter who I love, who's now seven weeks old today. And Congratulations. It just seems gr- I don't have a complaint, you know? I, a lot of comedy writers are cynical and negative, yeah. and I got nothing to complain about. <laughs> John is now crying. Yeah, now I'm crying. I'm, I'm, I'm naked fetal, by the way. Uh, that's nice. And so do you, uh, what about films? Did you want to write films as well? We have, uh, we have, we've sold one to Universal. Amazing. And the reason that you haven't heard of it is they have told us that it's never being made. Fantastic Uh, news. So it's great. It's kind of a fun story. Like features, um, I don't want to bore people too much, but. uh, I think they enjoy this stuff. I think. It's. T- but the writers, I think Bill Lawrence told you in your podcast with him, the writer is more empowered in television. In features, there's different pros and different cons. Some of the cons are the writer's not empowered, they treat you worse. Like, for example, we sold our movie right when we ran out of money from uh, the Bill Lawrence show that we worked on called right. Undateable. Yeah. So we, unemployment ran out, we were burning through our savings. You know, we hadn't been working for like a year at that point. We were like, oh, damn, it's so hard to find another writing job. Why isn't this working? We sold a movie to Universal, and we were like, perfect. We're saved. We sold the movie. We're back on top, baby. Everything's going great. Hollywood is the best. And then they just didn't pay us for eight months. <laughs> and it was like this ongoing saga. Like, I had to borrow money from my mom. I had to borrow money from my actor friends, Rick Glassman and Brent Moran. And I'm a married adult man who has sold a movie and they just won't pay me because, oh because it, it's the, the intellectual property is from this book company and their overall deal with Universal is being renegotiated. And until that deal closes, then the movie thing can't close and then the checks can't be cut. And it's just like all this corporate like you know, yeah. business stuff. And I'm just like, well, we wrote this really great movie that they were going to buy it. So do they, is it now in a vault? It's, in, it's on a hard drive somewhere, and it's... Yeah. And you can't get it back. I mean, I have it. 
but they own it. So and they yeah. won't make it, but it they won't let like, you. It seems like they're not going to make take it. Take it elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a thing. Like they say, like what is? It? I have a couple of movie writer friends who are very successful, and they say like five to ten percent of sold movies get made. So like even when you sell it, like you yeah. still have a one in twenty. It depends on the marketing and the budget, and does this line up with what the studio's tastes are at this moment, and is this going to compete well with the stuff the other studios are doing, and is the mm. audience X, Y, and Z, and can we get this director at the same schedule as this actor, and, the, you know, it's just like... I once met a guy, I always wanted to write a book about this, but then I realized it'd be quite boring, but I met a guy <laughs> who, it, when I first started coming out here, and he had like a fucking Hollywood Hills house and a pool, and... This guy and sounds like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And and he was and I was like, what do you do? And he was like, oh, I'm a screenwriter. And I was like, oh, amazing. Looking around, like you must have done very well. And I said, what? What? And he was like, I write films. And I said, what? Can I, what films have you written? And he said, oh, none of them have been made. <laughs> yeah. And he was fucking like yeah. rich, but I was like, that's like an existential crisis to me. Like yeah. you don't. I, was, I wanted to say, well, you don't exist. How do? Yeah. How do you prove? What do you mean you write films? Because you don't. Yeah. You don't write films. You write screenplays. You, you don't write movies. You've got a drawer here that somehow has made you millions by the looks of it. Yeah. But they're just a drawer. It's so depressing. <laughs> I don't get it. And he was like really like happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, was, the co-creator of The Cool Kids, one of the shows I worked on, was a movie guy. It was the guy you're saying. And he's like, he was talking. So I, I was very interested. I would always ask him about his movie career. And he has sold seven movies. And none of them have been made. And I never right. heard of them. And he's, you know, one of my, now all of a sudden he's my boss. This is his first yeah. TV venture. And he's like, this is just great because, like, the thing's getting made yeah. and the episode's going to come out and people are going to see it. Yeah. I'm like, you sold seven movies and none of them. That's like, he's like, he bought a house. He's putting his kids through school. Like, the whole nine yards. So weird. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough business. Yeah. But it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Last question about you and your wife that occurred to me. Is there, like, do you have a rule? If you're working together, you're hanging out together, you, you live together, you're having, yeah, and you're having a baby, do you have, like, a, we can't talk about work anymore? Is there, like, hours of the day you're not allowed to talk about work? Or can you be lying in bed and go, oh, yeah, another thing that would be good in this, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, yeah. When we were, when we're on a TV staff, my wife has a rule of, like, once we leave work, we leave work. Right. But when we're kind of, like, right now, we're in between TV jobs and we're working on a couple of movie things, it's sort of just, like whenever the baby will allow us to have an hour or two to work on this thing, and then, then yeah. we'll take it, and then the baby will demand that we stop, and we'll stop. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever argued with your wife in front of writing staff? No, I don't think so. Have you ever no. argued ever? Yes, we argue when we're off alone writing our drafts. And right. I find, and this is why I know the team works, if I'm arguing because I think it should be this way and she thinks it should be this way, we'll fight and then the compromise or the new thing that we find is always better than both of our original ideas, if that makes sense. That's lovely. Like, no, she really has to say this. And yeah. No, she has to be. And then we'll find something that's even better. And then we'll go, she should be a man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, John. Shit. I forgot to tell you something. What's that? Oh, I should have told you when you got here. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> it's really bad that I didn't tell you this. We're getting into the good acting Straight stuff up. now. <laughs> fuck. Because you rang the door. I should have just said it. Yeah, I, I rang the doorbell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I should have said But even before I said hello, really, I should have straight out said it. Now it's awkward. I'll just say it. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, you you died. You died. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. you definitely should have led with that. Yeah, We're sorry. talking about my family right. and my career. That's all over now, yeah. huh? How yeah. did you die? 
Well, it appears, if I'm being honest with myself, mm. I died the way many of us are going to die. Cell phone-related cancer. <laughs> Wow. You know, the addiction is real, guys. Yeah. The cigarettes killed the baby boomers, but what's killing us? Yeah. The cell phones. What? (laughs) How did did this come about? Slowly, painfully. It took a long time. In your blood? Throughout your body? Yeah, a lot of operations that didn't really work. And also, I think I might have also died of too full a heart from this amazing wife and my baby and this wonderful life I have. So the two things in concert, I just couldn't make it. So you basically, your heart was so full yeah. that it had a lot of room for cancer. Yeah. <laughs> From the cell phone. From the iPhone. Okay. iPhone cancer, yeah. Wow. What a romantic death. Yeah. Have you, are you scared of death? Um, I don't think I am. But then, now being a father, I think I might be... I got into a fender bender last week. And normally it's like not the big, it's like very small, like no big deal. Mm. But now it's like, oh, fuck, I have a baby. I can't do this shit. So there is a, a new level of like awareness, but I, I'm not in t- at this time in my early 30s afraid of it. No. Right. If that makes sense. Are you? I'm more afraid of other people dying than me dying. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think about that a lot. But I don't think of me dying, I'm sort of like, although I've changed my, I used to be like, oh, I don't give a shit. And now I'm like, ah. I've got a lot of yeah. projects on the go. Yeah, I've got projects. I'd like to finish them. <laughs> like, i got to finish these I've got to finish this draft, at least. You know what I mean? That's showbiz. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, leave him wanting more, but at least let him see the first yeah, draft. Yeah, at least let me get in the door before I die. <laughs> but that's interesting, because you don't want to... There's people that you would hate to see die, and then you have to live with that. Yeah. You, you think about that more than yourself. It's much worse for the people left behind, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's very selfish, that, but... I just think, oh, God, I worry about people dying a lot. Yeah. But whereas I go, well, that'll be fine if I die. <laughs> also, if you die, you're done. You don't, It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's not, not my, like you have anything to not do. not my fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, you're set. It's over, man. So you think nothing happens after you die? Man, that's a great question. Thank you. And I, It wasn't on the homework. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, odds are probably nothing happens when you die. Mm-hmm. But my religious, my religion history is a complicated one. I do believe, I, if I'm really thinking about it, I think I do believe in a God and something, but I don't know that these man-made definitions and these man-made churches are it, yeah. because like a Catholic person is like, oh, Lutherans are wrong, and Protestants are wrong, and we're the right ones, and then you know, Jewish people are like, no, we're the right ones, you yeah. guys are wrong, God hates all of you, no, God hates all of you, and it's like, well, he probably likes all of us, yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't think he's so picky. <laughs> yeah. So I think, it, I think I, I hope, I'm optimistic, but also like, you know, I wouldn't bet money on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> is your mom religious? My mom is, is very religious now as an AA member. They, oh, okay, they yes. They get in, very involved in the church and it helps with their sobriety yeah. as they swap one addiction for the other. No, well done for keeping her an, an, anonymity. Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I've already, on Rick, my friend Rick Glass's podcast, we've already gotten into great detail about it. Yes. Um, but, I that. Yeah, I, you know, it's great. I'm, obviously, the most important thing is her health. Yeah. But selfishly, comedy writer mind, every time something good happens to me, she says it's a God thing. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, so A, I've never accomplished anything myself. And B, 
God is just like, hey, yeah. you can have this this job, and all these guys can't have the job. They're fucked, but you're gonna have it. Yeah. And you're good. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, that's kind of a bummer, but whatever. And whatever keeps her healthy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I see that. You want some credit? What's yeah. Do you say at the end of the show? Does it say executive producer God? <laughs> no. No, it says some guy's name. <laughs> well, I have news. Yeah, I think it's good news. Okay. There is a heaven. There is an afterlife. Oh, good surprise! So I was I was semi wrong. Yeah, you were semi wrong. <laughs> and uh, in this heaven, they're obsessed with films. Oh, good. Can you imagine it? <laughs> Just like so, you are. Yeah, they're obsessed with it. I mean, I really fit it in. In a way, I was almost like, oh, well, what's what's going to be my thing then? Since everyone's. Everyone yeah. is obsessed with film. You can't show up to heaven and not have a thing. Yeah, I had to come up with a new thing up there, which is weird. Now I pretend to be in basket, into basketball, and I, I don't really understand yeah. it. Anyway, in heaven, they're obsessed with film. Great. You, like you are. I love films. Yeah. And all they want to do is learn about your life through film. Okay, I can do that. Thing. I'm down. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing? By the way, I am so impressed that you have this memorized. And I know, like, <laughs> as I was listening to your podcast, I was like, yeah. of course, he's got the questions on a piece of paper. He's got a computer in front of himself. He's This whole thing is off the cuff, including <laughs> questions he had pre-made about me and my wife. They, you didn't write it down. Didn't ask Bill Lawrence those questions, did I? No, that's, that's why you're it's a good actor. It's almost like this is a conversation. All, all memorized. Holy shit. <laughs> um, the first movie I remember seeing, and my wife kind of makes fun of me for, on stuff like this because... I remember, like, images and moments of, like, early childhood, Mm -hmm. but I don't have, like, actual, like, memories until, like, later. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I know I've seen movies before this, and I I remember, like, flashes of seeing movies, but I really remember seeing Tommy Boy and Billy Madison back-to-back when I was 10. Wow. And then then I was just, that was it. I was done. That was, that was it. My life was set. Are you an only child? I'm an only child. And did you watch those films with your with your mum? I watched them. I think I rented them. I believe I rented them from Blockbuster. Nice. With my mom. R.I.P. R.I.P. Blockbuster. I put the VHS in. Yeah. And holy crap, it was it was it, it was impactful, man. It's still one of my favorite movies to this day, Tommy Boy. It's Tommy perfect. Boy's fucking funny. It's a perfect movie. And it's got Bo Derek in it. Bo Derek, Chris Farley's vulnerable. Yeah. You root for him. You feel for him in the down moments. And he's funny in the up moments. It's They get pulled over by the cops for driving too slow because they're staying funny. Yeah, that's, I believe, Black Sheep. Not, to be, not to be that guy. No, But good. that's Black Sheep with the nitrous tank in the back. <laughs> you know you're Chris Farley. So I, I do respect know. that. There's not much I, I know, but I do know my Chris Farley. Uh, so you watched Tommy Boy and Billy Madison? Yeah, they both came out in 95. I was 10. And they were silly. You yeah. know, they were dumb. Tommy Boy had more heart. Billy Madison was just pure insanity. And it was just like, I was in. I loved it. I fucking loved it. And did you think, I want to I do this sort of thing? I didn't even know that that was possible. Yeah. That came a little bit later. But, I mean, I was upset. I was definitely obsessed. And I was, gonna, I was watching as much comedy. And then I found Saturday Night Live reruns were on Comedy Central. And those two guys are on that show and I'm watching all these shows, all the reruns, I'm watching all their episodes and it was just like, it was awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Great answer. Thank you. Uh, So far, so good. John DeWolf. Phew. (laughs) What film scared you the most? Okay. This is a bit of a modern one and maybe people won't like it and I definitely don't want to give a spoiler away but there's a film that's not too old called The Visit. 
I've seen the visit. And that one freaked me <laughs> and Allison out. I've not seen the visit. Who, by the way, this yeah. is a really dumb anecdote, but last month we picked up Allison's sister and her husband from the airport, and we were driving home, and we live in the valley, so, you know, Waze has us take all the canyons, all the side streets right. to avoid traffic. We're up through the hills, we're going through the Hollywood Hills, or uh, all the houses of screenwriters who have no movies made, yeah. and we're taking all these weird, tiny roads, and M. Night drives past us in a Rolls Royce, just like casually driving in a Rolls Royce, and my my in-laws are from the Midwest, so I was like, I acted real cool, I was like, oh, that's M. Night Shyamalan in a Rolls Royce, anyway, <laughs> anyway, it says we'll be there in like 10 minutes, <laughs> just trying to play like, yo, Hollywood is so great, you're gonna love it. <laughs> I once nearly had a car crash with John Carpenter. Oh my god! Like properly, like turned into a thing, and he turned into a thing, and we like and, you, and made eye contact, like across the windscreen. <laughs> and I thought it must be difficult being John Carpenter because every time you're nearly in a car crash, the person then goes, "It's John Carpenter." <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the visit where where it was M Night Shyamalan, la, 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 yeah, it was his comeback. That where was a he big made comeback. It, found footage, his own money. Yeah, and it's got one of the least. Uh, likeable child stars in it. That I'll, boy. I'll give you that. The opening where he does the rap made me go, I'm going to hate this film so much. <laughs> Not but. a strong start. <laughs> no, I would say you could probably cut the start, the opening. Cut the bit where you're trying to make the kid charming because what you've done is the opposite. Yeah. You've made me hope that this kid gets murdered by his grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> then they go and visit the grandparents yeah. and then the grandparents are really scary and to be fair, it was really scary. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like, he... All of his movies up to that point, he had been in such a drought. Like, yeah. he had, like, what, six or seven awful movies in a row? Last Airbender, After Earth, yeah. Lady in the Water. The Water one, or the Motel or whatever, yeah. And yeah. it's like, I, I wasn't even watching his movies anymore. I was yeah. out. I was like, ah, it's a one-hit wonder. And then all, all of these friends were like, you got to see The Visit. It's crazy. <laughs> and so we watched it, and, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> really when did you watch it at home? Yeah, I was watching it at home. Yeah? yeah. Did you get scared? Yeah, I'll get, you know, I, I don't think I get scared. I get suspenseful. My wife gets scared. My yeah. wife wants to know the spoiler before the movie starts, which pisses me off. Yeah, and if I'm she's listening, you have to cut it the fuck out. <laughs> she's like, she's like, well, I want to know how it ends before it starts. And I'm like, well, then why watch the thing? Yeah. Um, anyway. That, I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. And I hope you change. <laughs> um, but she gets scared and I get suspense. Like, I'll be like, holy fuck, like that. But she'll be like, oh my God. And she'll be like crying. Like, it's. She can't do movies with demons. Anything that's like a satanic. Oh, really? If it's a murderer, fine. But if it's like a if it's a if it's a demon from hell, is she religious? She, she is more religious than. Oh her. Yeah. wow! Interesting that. Yeah, she went to Catholic school, so the whole exorcist, is the whole no-no. guilty thing. Yeah, yeah. Exor- exorcist. I saw with my dad when I was young, and I think my dad showed me a couple of movies too young, in my opinion. Now, in retrospect, I think I was maybe like eight or nine. Right. And my parents were divorced, so I'd go to my dad's house on the weekends. And we would always watch movies. That was like our thing. And yeah, The Exorcist, the, the scene where she's like stabbing herself in the vagina with yeah. the crucifix. Yeah, yeah. I'm eight years old just watching <laughs> unedited, just full. She's spraying vomit. And just, she's like knifing her vagina. I've never even, I don't even know what a vagina is, Brett. And I'm watching it get knifed by a crucifix. So I think my dad, that, and then he showed me American Pie when I was like 11. <laughs> what did you say during The Exorcist? Did you say, what is that green woman doing? Yeah, I was just like, the. I think I was just so, like, I was scared. And I remember my dad putting me, because we went to bed right afterwards. It was like nighttime movie time with my dad. And he put me to bed, and he was like, all right, well, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> like, no, like, nothing. 
popping heads off just alone in this room. Which is so fucking scary. He didn't stop it or anything. He just like no, no conversation, no conversation that I remember. Maybe he looked I'm too, over. Maybe he I'm was slowly masturbating. Yeah, maybe he was masturbating. <laughs> but I do remember. I do remember a conversation. It was Thanksgiving one year, and like our plans fell through, and so he took me to see American Pie. Right. And I'm like 11 or 12. And actually, no, it came out in 99. Weird that I know that. I love American Pie. I will not apologize. So I'm 14. So still. But, you know, there's nude women. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of, there's a lot of jizz jokes. There's a lot of, like, crazy stuff. Yeah. And uh, Shannon Elizabeth is masturbating in it and stuff. Mm. I've never really seen porn yet. I've never, and now here it is. And my dad's right next to me. And this woman is masturbating in Jim's bedroom. Uh, and I just remember him looking up at the screen and not looking at me. <laughs> And I just heard my hair going like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> like he didn't know what the movie was going to be. That's funny. And like he was like, afterwards he was like, so maybe you don't tell your mom that we saw the movie. <laughs> you guys, it's fine if it's with a crucifix, but yeah. if it's just a hand, I mean, we yeah, shouldn't be watching that. There's no crucifix in the whole entire film. Uh, okay, so technically The Exorcist is the first film you saw. You oh, yeah. Yeah, that, right. I was younger than, than yeah. the ones, I guess it had less of an impact, but yes. With. Good catch, Brett. Thank Good you. catch. What is the film that made you cry the most? Now, John DeWalt, you are a crier. I cry. And I really like that about you. I cry at, at many films. And on my homework, I've written many movies. You cried on Instagram, and, it's, and, and you did talk about this on another one, but it's, I remember thinking, I really related when you, you were trying to tell the end of Cheers. <laughs> your wife and yes. you started crying and I thought yeah it's fucking beautiful it, it was uh, it's, a, it's the best it's yeah. the best finale it's and it's Kirstie Alley's exit and she says I did a good job didn't I and Sam Ted Danson says you, you sure did and of course they're referencing her replacing yeah. Shelly Long you can't get that past me <laughs> she did such a good yeah. job as well. and then she takes her bow and she exits and it, it's, it's, perfect. it's yeah. perfect and yeah I cry I cry a lot at TV for movies, here's the movies I just wrote down. This is just off the top of my head, but I cry pretty much any good movie. Yeah. Tommy Boy. Yeah. Uncle Buck, the ending of Uncle Buck. Oh, which man. Is, Uncle Buck's my favorite movie of all time. Okay. And the freeze frame at the end when he smiles, Sia crying. We bought a zoo. My nieces are 12 and 14, and they always, whenever I go to Wisconsin, they always want to watch We Bought a Zoo because they think it's hilarious that I cry. And whenever it gets to the end, they just stare at me and wait for me. They don't even watch it. They think it's so funny. Uh, the Notebook, because I want to die with Allison at the same time. And recently, my wife showed me Big Fish, which I've oh never seen. Oh, my God. Big Fish I've seen once, and I cried for three days. Yes. And I can't yes. watch it again. So I'm right there with you, dude. I just saw it last week. Fucking hell. And, and, that, and it reminds me of my – because my dad is an embellisher. My dad is a yeah. big – like, he sees the world through romantic vision. He – Teaches improv in the suburbs. He always wanted oh, really? to kind of be part of Second City and stuff, but he was never really part of the actual Second City group. But he ended up being a teacher in the suburbs. He's got like a, he's got like three hundred students or something. Really? And did he so, teach you? Uh, no, but he sent me to Second City when I was in high school for the teen ensemble class, wow. and that's where I got my start, quote unquote. And uh, so that that character, like my dad, would always spin stories and, and build himself up, and so I was. Really crying at that, yeah. at that movie. I think my when I saw my granddad was like that, and I really <laughs> thought about my dad and his dad. That's what I thought during Big Fish. Yeah, but it fucking killed me. Yeah, it's such a beautiful film. Uh, I think it's Tim Burton's last great. Yeah, it's. Great I, I turned film. to Allison crying. I was I was sobbing, yeah. and I was like, "This is a lot better than his silly movies with the weird makeup." 
And you're all right crying. Do you cry in real life? You, yeah. You're not, you're not embarrassed. <clears throat> I'm not embarrassed to cry because I've, <clears throat> I've come to the opinion that it's, it's a wonderful thing to feel emotion. Because so much of the day you're doing your chores, yeah. you're doing your work. We're robots. We're, we're on social media. We're just like going through the motions. If you have a, a moment of human vulnerability, like I'm like, let it, let it out. And Allison's like, like, for example... Adam Sandler just did the Chris Farley tribute on SNL. Beautiful. Which I cried when I saw it on his stand-up special. Yeah. I cried even harder when I saw it on SNL because they were at SNL together. I wanted to show it to Allison, and she was like, I don't want to cry. Like, it's going to make me mm. cry. And I was like, that's good. We should be having moments. We're just doing chores all day. <laughs> I want you to feel something. <laughs> feel this. <laughs> that's yeah. really good, man. I mean, I, I respect it. Thank you. I struggle, I struggle with crying in front of people. Yeah, because you're a tougher guy than me. Yeah, I'm so much tougher than you, but yeah. I'm less of a zaddy. <laughs> yeah. Did you cry when your baby was born? Yeah. Did your wife cry then? Yes. <laughs> that was a 58 and a half hour labor. Fucking With hell. four and a half hours of pushing. Oh. And it was a vacuum. <laughs> it was a vacuum birth. What? And I've never was, heard of a vacuum birth. Yeah. It was, it was everything. So we were crying... Because it was, obviously it's a crazy moment when your baby comes yeah. out and all of a sudden the baby's just there forever. And then it's also, we were just relieved that it was over because yeah. I was worried for her. Yeah, yeah. I thought that she was going to go through 60 hours of labor and have to get a C-section anyway. Fuck. And luckily, like, at the last moment, the baby came out before we would have to get a C-section. Do you have to and pull the baby out of a vacuum bag? No, it's, it, I can see where you get mistaken. It, it's more of a, actually, they should call it a plunger birth. Right, okay. They call it a vacuum birth, but... The OBGYN sticks something on her the baby's head so she can kind of guide and pull as oh, the mother's Jesus. pushing. And give you that extra, that extra oomph that you need. A little bit of purchase. Because she was, our, our baby was stuck on a pelvic bone. And so she kind of just needed to be guided uh, through the final frontier. So, so your baby was pulled out like with a plunger? Yes, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. What a life. Yeah. And she's off to a great start. <laughs> So, yeah, we cried a lot so that day, yeah. for sure. And then, it, it, this is common. Like, if this happened in a sitcom, you would be like, that's too obvious and too hacky. I don't believe that. It's bullshit. Yeah. So, they, everybody, all the doctors clean the baby up. They sew. They do what they got to do. They do the shit. They leave. They leave you alone with just you and your baby for, like, an hour before you have to go upstairs to the recovery room. We're sitting there. We're crying. We've, we're decompressing from this crazy 58 and a half hours. And in the next room, we hear the sound of a woman starting to push. And it's the same sound that we had. And the nurse and everybody's like, come on, push, yeah. push, push, push. Yeah, come on, come on. And then, like, literally in two minutes, we hear, yay! <laughs> this woman pushed for, like, four minutes. <laughs> That's great. And me and Allison were crying, but we Freeze started laughing. Exactly. It's, it's a total curve ending. Uh, it's a, definitely a Larry David ending for That's sure. That's great. Um, did you, can I ask you this? Yeah. I always want to know this. When you saw your baby for the first time mm-hmm. in all this, did you feel instantly, I love you forever, I love you more than anything? Or did you feel, first thing you thought was, bloody hell, a baby, wow. Uh, <laughs> like which? The first one. Did you? Yes. That's nice. Man. And, yeah, and I have a lot of friends in comedy who would feel the second one. But for me and Allison, for whatever reason, Allison is such a family person. 
as I get older, I try to get closer to my past. You know, when I when I was young, I was like, I'm getting out of here, family. I'm going to go do improv in Chicago. Yeah. I'm going to be a comedian. Uh, fuck this shit. I'm gone. But now as I've settled into my adult life, like I get more nostalgic for the past. So me and Allison wanted to have a kid. We wanted to settle down. And we've been together for 11 years. And we just decided it was time. So you're never really ready to have a baby, but we were as ready as you could be. So like we definitely were like, let's have this baby. I can't wait to have this baby. And so it was definitely, it was the first one for sure. <laughs> I'm just looking longingly at you. Yeah. Uh, what is that, eh? Yeah, um, probably. What is the film? Oh, she's just showing me a picture of the baby and fucking hell, it's a nice baby. That's a nice baby, That's dude. That's a nice baby. <laughs> He's got a nice baby. Uh, Even giving a look to camera. Yeah. Doing yeah. a special look. Yeah. It's like, like a on little, the office. Like this fucking guy. Like a Jim Halpert look. Jim Halpert or Tim. Huh? Or Tim. Thank, thank, thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you for respecting its past. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we made you. Yeah, you did. Uh, what is the film that most people don't like? It's critically not acclaimed. Most people hate it, but you're like, fuck you all, you idiots. It's brilliant. Are you allowed to include ironic lovings? Because ironically... Only if I, you really love it. I love the Entourage movie. <laughs> okay. Me and my friend Rick went to the Entourage movie yeah. in full suits, and we ordered an Uber Black... <laughs> And we acted like the world of Entourage. Like, we <laughs> bought into it, dude. And the movie is, of course, so bad. It's some of the worst writing ever of all time. Worst acting. Everything is the worst. You can't believe that this is happening. And after ironically watching the show, and it's like, it's just, it's sexist. It's like, it, imagine Entourage in the Me Too era. Whatever. I can yeah. go on and on. It's obviously not good. It's just about, Whatever. That movie is so hilariously bad, and we loved it. And I also love Latter-day Sandler movies for the same reason. You Give Me Grown Ups too. Shaquille O'Neal throws a guy over a house for no fucking reason, <laughs> as if there's magic in any of the other parts of the movie. He, oh, Shaquille O'Neal's a big guy, so of course he could throw this man over a house <laughs> because we're making the joke about how big Shaq is. <laughs> like, I can't, that stuff makes me... Me and Rick will have an edible and just watch these movies, and it's it's a good time. It's really fun. Okay, you you talked me around. You can have it. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sad you gave money towards the Entourage franchise. Yeah. Oh boy. The first joke of the movie, the co- so Entourage movie, dude. You know, the music and it's hot. And there's tits and naked ass and shit. They're on a boat in Ibiza, right? And they're all the girls are out. And then, and then it cuts to, like, a speedboat coming towards the yacht. And it's our boys, dude. It's Vinny and Drama and the gang. The boys are on their way to this yacht party that we've, with all the naked chicks. And it cuts, and we cut into the, the speedboat. And it's Johnny Drama looking at the naked chicks on a yacht in binoculars. And the first line of dialogue in the movie is, Oh, fuck, I should have jerked off first. <laughs> <laughs> And then you know, you just know you're in for two hours of this. Oh, wow. <laughs> I now want to see it. Yes. I At least see, see the first scene. I watched, uh, when I, I was once injured, you don't need to know about it, and I had a lot of time to watch box sets for a little time. Yeah. And I watched Entourage when it started. Yeah. It was like, box set, season one, watched it. Everyone had said it was brilliant. Yeah. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, right, so this is like a satire about hateful cunts. 
in, in Hollywood. Like a self aware. Yeah, like it's a horrible, hor- about horrible, awful, awful, hateful people that you would never want to meet. And then I listened, it got to the end of it, and I listened to like a director's commentary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, so we wanted to make a show about us and how much fun we had in Hollywood. And I was like, hang on, what? I was like, oh, I'm going to like you. You're the hero. Yeah. What? I thought this was. Oh, and then I never watched it again when I realized they were meant to be the good guys. Yeah, yeah, and then it's not ironic. It's yeah. very genuine. It's a very earnest show. Yeah, <laughs> about my boys. What is it like? Cause did you watch it overseas back home? Yeah. What is like? I watched it here, but like, yeah. what is it like watching a show like that? That's in, that insane somewhere else. Yeah. Well, like, I guess you. you like that show was nominated for Emmys. Oh, that was like a legitimate, like... It's mad. That was like, you know, for four years there, they were nominated for Best yeah. Comedy every year. Okay, no, that's mad. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is like... Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What is the film you used to love? You used to love it, but you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh, no, this doesn't hold up for me. I hate it now. Oh, man. Uh, that was the one I had trouble with and I didn't answer. Okay. Because I saw your example was The Breakfast Club, and I love The Breakfast Club, and it still does hold up for me. But although I understand that it's very slow and boring to people who are just coming to it for the first time. It's but, not that I don't hate it for that. I hate it because I hate all of them. You hate all five of the characters? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say I hate all five of them. I did it when I was young, but now I go. Usually somebody's like, pathetic. oh, I like, I, like, no. I like Anthony Michael Hall at least. Pathetic Why whiny. do you hate Anthony Michael Hall? Because he's like, it's pathetic. I'm like, bro, you pathetic. My dad, he wants me to get an A. Like, that's his problem. <laughs> you imagine being in a movie pitch today, and they're like, where everyone's so focused on character motivations and drives and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, well, the problem, guys, we got it solved. The fix is the dad wants him to get an A. <laughs> it's terrible. It's Fuck a simpler it time. Yeah. It was better back then. Um, I'm trying to think of a movie that I used to love that I now hate. I mean, other than kid stuff, like I used to be into the Power Rangers and I used to like the Power yeah. Rangers movie. Yeah. But obviously that's trash. Um, but yeah, I kind of, if I love something, it sort of becomes timeless to me. That's great. And it should do. It should yeah. do. I'm glad that you don't want to answer it. Yeah. 
Like, for example, I love Uncle Buck. I think that's a timeless it's movie. Great. It's a perfect movie. Around-ish the same time, John Candy made a movie called Brewster's Millions and a movie called Harry Crumb. And I think those movies are not good and they do not hold up because I came to them in, like, the late 90s and they... This was trash. This yeah, is garbage. Yeah, yeah, John yeah. Candy's one of the best actors of all time. That's interesting. This is horrible. Same time frame as Uncle Buck and this yeah. movie is just perfect. So if you hit it, you hit it. I yeah. Think. John Hughes, listen, John Hughes hit it 90%. Yeah. 90%. Yeah. You're not giving him breakfast club. And then occasionally he made the breakfast club. <laughs> yeah. People hate 16 Candles more than breakfast club. Yeah, they hate 16 Candles. The, I haven't gone back to check it out. The though. Asian and stuff. Well, the main character is pretty much not in the third act. Right. <laughs> that's now watching it now, that's the thing yeah. I know. She kind of, and then, oh, you, then we see her at the wedding and, oh, the boyfriend is there and she right. he wants her now. He likes her now. So that worked out. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, when you think about uh, John Hughes, there's a weird progression in his career, and I've only just pieced this together. He had a big section of his life making films about teenagers. Yeah. Then he made Home Alone, films about children, and yeah. then he made Baby's Day Out. He just went younger, he went younger and younger. younger and younger. Until his final film, Sperm on the Run. <laughs> that can't be real. Uh, uh, that's what, so funny. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily because the film itself, because of the story you have around seeing the film that you'll always remember that film for. So, like, it might have been a first date with Alison. It might have been yeah. the day someone died, the day your baby was born. I did write... I, it, the fir- I'll always remember my first kiss with Alison. It wasn't our first date. That will come later in your... Yeah. But it was... Our first kiss was to Talladega Nights nice. with Will Ferrell. That's that's very good. Which, by the way, he should do more scripted stuff. He's yeah. so good at that movie. Yeah. But we were... I was staying at T.J. Miller's apartment, who is an actor, comedian, and this is before he called in an, a bomb threat on a train and got arrested by the FBI. This was years ago. It's simpler times. Yeah, this was simpler times when, you know, just, just ease, like normal addictions, not like the crazy addictions mm. that make everyone hate you. Um, but he was, he was, I was moving to L.A., and he was nice enough to let me crash this place. I had, he was shooting a movie in Pittsburgh. He was gone. I had nothing. I had no one. Allison and her friend come visit L.A. because a lot of times when you're doing improv in Chicago, like, I'm just going to check it out. I'm going to come out to L.A. for a weekend. Check it out. We meet up. I fall for Allison instantly very hard. And so I make for the next – she's only there for three days. So I make them change their plan to hang out with me every day. On the third day, we go back to T.J. Miller's place. Her friend gets a call from her boyfriend. Her friend goes out to the pool area to take this call. We're watching Talladega Nights, and I'm like, this is my chance. She goes back to Chicago tomorrow. They're in, like, some, like, crazy, you know, Will Ferrell, like, I think it was the scene about baby Jesus, tiny little baby Jesus. And I just say, look, I want to kiss you right now while your friend's gone. And then we just started kissing, dude, and it was the best. And I'm still here. On that, I've been on that path ever since, baby. Man, you did it in front of baby Jesus as well. <laughs> baby Jesus, yes. I want to kiss you now your friend's gone. I got nervous, too, because I know, like, in movies, obviously, like, sometimes there's no dialogue. Mm. The, guy just, the guy just makes the move. Sometimes the girl takes the... Takes but this the, was in the screen, in the cinema. No, this was at TJ Miller's apartment. Oh, sorry, we're watching the DVD, and we're just on the couch, and yeah. I, I, got too, I got too nervous to do it without yeah. saying dialogue. So I was like, I have to say something. Yeah. And so I was just like, I'll just tell her that I want to kiss her. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it worked, I guess. Yeah. Because I don't know when she's coming back in on the phone. Yeah. You know, I'm in a pressure cooker. Time is How money. How quick was the kiss? Were you like, someone's coming? 
It was long. We ended up kissing for like, I think, 10 minutes. Sweet. Maybe 15 even. Wow. It was awesome. That was a long phone call, luckily. That's great. I think they broke, I think it was their breakup call, wow. which worked out great for me. <laughs> One door opens, another closes. Another door closes. <laughs> That's yes. lovely. Yes. Oh, Talladega Nights, so romantic. Yeah. Um, Talladega. What is, here we go, what is the sexiest film you've ever seen? Yeah. And you can say The Exorcist. I can definitely, it's definitely not The Exorcist, that's the worst. That makes me not into it. <laughs> um, I definitely bought and paid full price for a DVD of The Cell with Jennifer uh, Lopez. What's her name? Lopez. Well, yeah, I, I was right. I yeah. just got, I got nervous about Love Hewitt. And I was like, I was a teenager in high school. I'm obsessed with ass and big booties. She's famous for it. She's got yeah. the biggest one in town. She's not shy about it. <laughs> yeah. At some point in this movie, there's going to be some booty, dude. And I was watching the movie, and I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on in this movie. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm watching. <laughs> and, like, my mom gets home from work, and she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, uh, The Cell. <laughs> so she starts watching it with me, and she's asking me what's going on, and I'm not able to answer. And I can't tell her that I'm just hoping that maybe there's yeah. an ass shot. Yeah. And then there is. There's one scene where there's like she's in her underwear in the kitchen for like five frames. You know how right. they do the tease? Yeah. And my mom was there for the tease, and then uh, the rest of the movie happened. And I've no, I couldn't to this day. I couldn't tell you what the movie's about. Gun to my head. I have no fucking clue. But those five frames. That's the sexiest film you've ever seen. It, yeah. She looked good, dude. <laughs> she's Listen. gorgeous. I mean, I guess guys say wild things. Yeah, I mean, well, you could think... say American Pie, the girls masturbating on the bed. Yeah. These all conjure up the moment. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it off the cuff, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, she's a whistle for sure. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hot girls in movies, Brett. You know, it's easy. You can find yeah. a hot girl in a movie. But Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, we've talked about it on this podcast before, but she's special. She's magnificent. <laughs> and I wish I could marry her. Yeah. Maybe you can, dude. You've got can. a new show coming. You're a show creator. <laughs> yeah, You're working true. on an Apple Plus show. Yeah, that's true. Actor, stand-up, podcast host. Maybe she's into it. Who knows? She doesn't mind the dancer, <laughs> does she? <laughs> no. uh, okay, now we have a subcategory, which I'm okay. definitely going to ask you. Sometimes this is controversial. With you, I don't feel embarrassed to ask. Troubling bonus. Worrying <laughs> Troubling bonus. <laughs> Troubling bonus. Worrying why does. A film that aroused you, and in hindsight, you thought, oh, I don't know that it should have done, and yet it did. <clears throat> Two things that, are, that have aroused me that are weird. One is being on a plane. And people at Undateable, a show I worked on, would always make fun of. If I'm on a plane, I'll, I'll just have a boner the whole time. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the compressed air. I don't know if it's the, the we're in a tube. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. The second one was, for some reason, and maybe... I'm praying that it's just because I was comfortable in the seat. You know, sometimes you're comfortable and things happen and it has nothing to do. But I was watching Furious 7, the one where Paul Walker is dead in half the movie. And The Rock was doing his funny shit where, like, his over-the-top rock stuff, zaddy stuff, where he has a broken arm and he's in the hospital with his daughter and there's an explosion out the window and he flexes the broken arm, yeah. and the flexing shatters the cast, <laughs> obliterates the cast. 
And the daughter, little girl, goes, "Where are you going?" And he goes, "He goes, stay here, sweetheart. Daddy's got to go to work." <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, hopefully just because I was relaxed in the Lazy Boy Theater, yeah. I found myself to be aroused. <laughs> that is top five answer to that and then, question. And then there's he does more shit. He he gets there and he shoots a helicopter out of the sky. He's just something crazy or whatever it is, yeah. and. One of the one of the women goes, "Where's uh, where's the Calvary?" And the Rock goes, "Woman, I am the Calvary." <laughs> but there's just like so many action line like one liners, and yeah, I don't know. So I guess that the Rock in Furious Seven. The Rock is a, is a sexy man, <laughs> sexiest man alive. According. If you couldn't have, if you couldn't be with Jennifer Lopez, would you take the Rock? You sure. Okay. We could go to the gym together, yeah. you know, we'd, we'd talk about how important our mana is to each other. <laughs> I watch a lot of his Instagram videos, obviously. Uh, what is the greatest film of all time, objectively? Okay, so it's not your favorite. Does, it could be, could be the same, but it might be <clears> like... The greatest you know. film of all time, and it was close, it was between two movies, for me, is The Silence of the Lambs. Great answer. And I'm sure people have said that already. I'm sure no. it's, not, it's not a hot-button issue. It's not a crazy pick. It's not going to get you cancelled. But that movie was on 91, and here we are in 2019, and that movie, I watched it with my friend who had never seen it, and it's as amazing as if it was 91. Like, that movie is, every scene is perfect. And it's just, we watched it, I watched it in the cemetery at the Hollywood Forever, like, screening. So did I. You were there? Shut up. Like, two or three years ago? Yeah, I was there. I was there. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but it was between that and Shawshank because obviously these are like perfect, unbelievable movies. Yeah. And I just gave the edge to Silence. Silence is, is a, such a great fucking movie. I love Jonathan Demme. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. I love him. I think everything he did. Yeah. I don't think he had a bad one. Do you ever see Rachel getting married? No. So good. I'll see it. See it. No I one need saw to see it. New stuff. I need to see new stuff. He made it. It was one of his later films. Fucking brilliant. And he, he passed away, right? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. What is the film you most relate to? Currently, I find myself relating very heavily to one of my favorite comedies, which is called I Love You, Man. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Jason Segel, Paul yeah. Rudd. Yep. A bromance. It's the original bromance, yeah. if you will. Rashida Jones. Why have a rom-com, which means one of the two leads has to be a woman, when they can both be guys? And then we could have a bromance. Because <laughs> white male friendship is an interesting yeah, topic. Yeah, it needs everything. Uh, it, it needs to be said. Um, no, I objectively think that movie's really great. And I just, as I get older, I have the kid now. I have the wife. I relate to the Paul Rudd character who in the movie has a fiancé. And Jason Segel, much like all of my friends, is very mm. single, very selfish. He lives for himself. He's living his, he's in his own, he's in his man cave. He's just kind of, you know, in, in the robe at 2 p.m. Yeah. That kind of a guy seems to be a lot of my friends. And I seem to be the one who, who got married. And I'm the one who has a kid. And I'm the one who's up at 7 a.m. changing diapers. So that whole thing of, like, the two different types of, like, guys in, in a friendship, I find, is my current life. Rick Glassman. Yes. Is your Jason Segel. Rick Glassman is 100% my Jason Segel. And he'll tell you that I'm his Paul Rudd to this yeah. day. And we, when we had our YouTube sketch group before, uh, before we got started on the uh, the TV stuff, when we were <laughs> we were doing YouTube sketches, which you can check out 
YouTube.com slash that guy and his friend. Oh, wow. We were pitching. Who is that guy? Exactly. Right. That's the whole reason we named it that, so right. people would do that. So good. But really, it's Rick. <laughs> um, we were pitching doing I Love You Man 2 as a sketch. And the sketch is me and Rick pitching I Love You Man 2 to executives. But I'm going to be Paul Rudd and he's going to be Jason Siegel, And it, we're essentially pitching the same exact story so we're like like yo he's selling it's it's at Lou Ferrigno's house that he's selling he's selling Lou Ferrigno's daughter's house all right and he's like it's totally brodily and Jobin and you know like Rashida Jones is like what the fuck you know and like we're just like hitting like beat for beat of I love you man movies and we're like you know and then this guy this guy with spray tan at the real estate office is trying to take his listing and he's like back off man that's my fucking listing and and like you know he borrows some money for an investment that ends up being for billboards and like we just that's great so it would have been like a five minute sketch of us we're just re-saying I love you Beth that's so good and we never made it It's never too late. It's never too late. Uh, what is the film you can or have watched the most over and over again? Yeah, so that's Uncle Buck. That's Tommy Boy. Uncle Buck is such a good film. Yeah, and Breakfast Club, which you hate. Yeah, so that's disgusting. where we disagree. Disgusting, you're not having it. You, you don't like, you hate all five? All five of them. They're all dreadful. What do you like better, Tommy Boy or Uncle Buck? Of, of the heavy set male lead films. Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck, yeah. Yeah. It just has so much heart. Yeah, it's beautiful. Because it, what John Hughes does well, that I try to do as much as possible, he gets people who don't belong together and forces them to be yeah. together. That's what he does. Planes, trains, automobiles. If you want to make me cry in like 10 seconds, show me the end of Planes, Trains, and Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Or even the beginning of that hotel scene where yeah. he's like, you want to hurt me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Uncle Buck is like we all have I don't know, I feel like that I feel like that outsider in my family sometimes and just the way that he handles her teenage angst and they, yeah. just the way she arcs and becomes a nice adult and when she apologizes to the mom at the end and hugs him, hugs her and says I'm sorry, I'm crying and then John Candy knocks over all the frying pans for the perfect comedy release, the yeah. stress release. I could go on and on about that movie. That movie is, is definitely my number one. I, I watch it like two or three times a year. That's lovely. <laughs> That's lovely. Which is maybe too much. But <laughs> What is... We don't have to be negative on this show. We'll okay. do it quick. What's the worst film you've ever seen? The worst film I ever saw was yeah. called My Best Friend's Girl with Dane Cook and Jason Biggs. Oh, boy. It was me and Allison's first movie date. Wow. We go to the Santa Monica Promenade. We go, hey, we'll see a movie. The movie is Dane Cook is like, here's how you get chicks, dude. Like, you got to do this. This is how you fuck girls. And then Jason Biggs gets the girl. But then Dane Cook meets her. Dane, uh, Dane Cook loves the same girl, dude. And now this shit's happening. And it's just like, I, I can't even. It, it's the worst. There's like a 10-second tracking shot that pans up of when Dane Cook decides to be an asshole to this girl. Right. For, to save so that she'll go to Jason Biggs. He's in all black. The camera pans up. He's greasing his hair back. Like Johnny Cash music is playing. He's got a cigarette. He flicks it, and then he like walks down the aisle, and then he just like like negs her. <laughs> he's just, then he's just like mean to her. It's really bad. Also awful is when comic book movies miss. Mm. When a comic book movie is not good, it's really like Suicide Squad is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Me and Rick Glassman just walked out of Shazam 
Really? Minute 40, walked out. Why? I've not the, seen the, it. The tone was way off. They were all over the place. You don't even meet Zachary Levi until, like, minute 40. What? Like, you're living with this kid for, like, act one is, like, fucking 35 minutes. And then, like, they're trying to be tongue-in-cheek, winky, and, and it's just not... Everything about it is bad. Venom, awful. Doctor Strange, couldn't finish it. But then when these movies work, they work. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. What is... Now, you're in comedy. You've been in comedy your whole life. You've never yeah. been in drama, have you? No. Wouldn't go near it. <clears throat> disgusting. It's not disgusting. In television, it strikes me. I'm just not inspired to do yeah. the hour-long dramas. And the people who are, you know, they make great money and their shows never get canceled. The shows are on forever, <laughs> so God bless them. Um, but me and Allison are working on a more indie dramedy feature spec. But in TV, it, it's got to be comedy, dude, because... A great comedy like The Office, American or otherwise, yeah. can have drama in it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you can be real and get to the core of somebody. Like the Office episode called Business School, mm-hmm. where Pam has her art show and nobody comes and only Michael Scott comes. And he says, I'm so proud of you in a father-esque way. And she yeah. starts to cry. I cry every single time of that episode. Like, And that's a, a comedy. It's a sitcom. Yeah. So like, you can get the goods inside of a comedy. I, I hope, I think. I believe so. Yeah, but for oh, the movie that makes me laugh the most. Yeah, what's the film that made you laugh the most? I do remember I saw Meet the Parents in theaters 23 times. Wow. And I, I just, I loved it, dude. That movie was so funny. It's funny. It's a great movie, Good film. All these De Niro, movies, funny. That was like a big like career turn for yeah. me. People were like, oh, he's doing comedy <laughs> yeah. now. Like, yeah. But like... And I realize this now, just now talking to you, all the things I'm saying, I like simple premises. Mm, yeah. I, it's like, I want characters. I want relatable situations. Yeah, and like, yeah. let's get into it. Did you relate to Gaylord Fokker? Yeah. It was that what it was like meeting Allison's parents? Uh, it wasn't to that crazy extent, but like, I remember I met Allison's parents the first time over Christmas. And that was also when she was moving to L.A., so I was coming to Wisconsin to help her drive to L.A. And so already I'm, this guy is taking their baby daughter to Shit. one of the worst cities in the world, <laughs> according to many people from the Midwest. Yeah. There's nowhere worse than Los Angeles, right? And so that was very hard. No I remember I went to give her a hug and she got nervous because her dad was there and she gave me a high five instead. <laughs> there was a lot, of those, a lot of those moments. But then the second time... I saw them. I was like, you know, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to be like, just so you guys know, I intend to marry your daughter and I would love your blessing. I did that to her dad. I did that to her siblings. And they all looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. They looked at me like I was insane, dude. Like we were dirt poor, man. I was sweeping hair at a barber shop. She was a nanny. Like we had no, we had nothing. And here's this 23 year old, 24 year old kid being like, I'm going to marry this chick. They, they were nice. The parents were nice and supportive, but like looking back, like that's now that I have a daughter yeah. only for seven weeks, I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> Why did I do that? I don't know. I felt compelled to yeah. be honorable or whatever. I, I don't know, but yeah. Their siblings, were, they'll, they'll never forget the look. They were like, are you, fuck, are you serious? <laughs> you, we don't even know you, man. <laughs> was that like your opening line to them? Hi, hi. Yeah, it was pretty uh, Just early. to be clear, I my intentions are to marry your sister. I want you guys to know where I'm coming from. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. But yes, I definitely relate to Gaylord Fokker. Going into a different family mm. is insane. Are you married? I don't even know if you're married. No, I'm not married. No, when you get married, 
it's it's just weird. It, it's part of society. It's something we all do. But a family is a unit that exists and is whole. And now some guy or girl is just now now this person's in the yeah. family. <laughs> well, my my sister is married to a man, and he's amazing. But I often think like he is so like my sister and my my mum and dad hang out with my sister and her kids and him like all the fucking time. Yeah. And I think God, he married my mum and dad yeah. <laughs> as well as my. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And I believe I don't know. He acts. I believe he enjoys it. I think he's happy in this. Yeah. But I go, fucking hell, that's a big yeah. ask. He's married three people. That's crazy. I've never heard that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you should write a pilot about that. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> like everybody loves Raymond, but they all get on. Yeah. There's no conflict. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's happy all the time. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And now, like, I'm super close to Allison's family. I, in many ways, I'm closer to them than I am because I don't have siblings. And Allison's sister is, like, legitimately one of my best friends on yeah. Earth. And so it's like, oh, fuck, I, I've never had a sister, but now I do. And it's like, yeah. and now you have two families. And, like, it, I find it awkward when there's a family event where everyone has to be together because there's such different yeah, yeah. units. Like, and my parents are divorced, so my dad's unit and then my mom's unit already don't mix. Right. And then now Allison's unit's there, and we have to, like, find common ground to talk about. It's, t- it's tough for me to juggle yeah. the small talk when the families meet because – these people have nothing in common with the, I don't think, yeah. with each other. Except you. You're Except the, for me, yeah. yeah. And who cares about me? Uh, what? Hang on. Does, does Alison's sister ever go, do you remember when we first met and you said you were going to marry my sister? Uh, yeah, they've, they've talked about, uh, now that we are on. Now yeah. that we have a great 11-year relationship, yeah. we've, they have brought it up in the, in the past a couple of times. And so, said yeah. we thought you were insane. Yeah, and then also a year after that, you know, Hollywood is a very hard place to come in with no contacts and no friends and no mm-hmm. way of getting in. We were struggling and like Allison was going through so stressful time and then there was like sad family deaths on her side which was making her sadder. We were like losing career shit and we had these shitty jobs. I was a dog walker at the time. It was like going south. Right. And like there was a time when she wanted her family wanted her to come back home. And Allison was like, no, we're staying, we're going to do this. And luckily, we persevered. But, like, you know, there's no reason for them to be confident in being like, oh, we're going to go to Los Angeles and we're going to be in television and film business. Like, it makes no sense. Of course not. That's amazing. Yeah. So, And I also know, I I mean, I don't want you to tell it in detail because I'm sure you've told it many times, but the amazing story about you is that you were in this position where you sort of managed to wrangle a job as a writer on a TV show, and you said, "I'll only take it if you bring if you take my wife as well." Is that right? Um, it was. It was actually not. It was the opposite of that. Oh, I, you said, "I'll I take guess, the job if you don't have that, my wife." Is that, is that how Bill tells the story? That's no, so, that's how you, I heard you tell it. Oh, I was the writer's assistant on Undateable season one, and they were going to hire me season two. And I asked the creator Adam Stekiel. I was like. I was like, you know, my wife and I have written specs, mm-hmm. and they're better than the spec that I wrote by myself. Should I bring her on? And this is through no mo- like writing teams share a salary, so I'm not doubling my money. I'm yeah, actually yeah. cutting my money in half with this proposition. And he, of course, jumped at it because he gets a free writer, and he yeah. likes Allison already, and our spec script was very good. Right. But it was just at the time, like, we had a friend, friend a married friend group who – is since divorced, but they had a thing where one of them shot up successfully and the other one didn't. 
And I, so I was wary of that dynamic changing with me and Allison if I became a writer and she was still a nanny. Mm. I wasn't doing her any charity because our stuff is much better together. But also, like, what if I was super happy going to work at Warner Brothers and she was depressed at, yeah. at this shitty ass nanny job? That's going to be the worst. We've done all. The, we've always done improv together. Like, like it, it was just a natural. It was a natural fit, and also I think it saved our marriage. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's a really tough pill to swallow. And now all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh, "I'm doing Undateable with my friends, yeah. Rick and Brent and Chris, and everyone's on the cast. We're all there at Warner Brothers, and she's like cleaning yeah. up diapers at some house, and she's sad and she hates it. Like that's not going to be good. <laughs> what a guy! You should be Doctor Phil. Yeah, that's I would really love that. good. That, but also it, it's you know w- people. Want to hire women now more than they want to hire a white dudes. Yeah. So, you know, she's paying me back twentyfold. You know, like nobody wants to yeah. hire. Oh, a white guy will write on my show. Nobody wants that. <laughs> do you know any? <laughs> yeah. Do you know any white guys who will <laughs> be a writer on the staff? <laughs> uh, okay. All good. John DeWolf, uh, you've been excellent. Thank you. Really excellent. Thank you. Did you know that I was in a movie once? What movie were you in? Wanted. With Angelina no. Jolie. And J- James a, McAvoy. And, of course, James McAvoy. I have a no-dialogue role that was through my talent agency in Chicago. <laughs> I was told I would be in the end credits as driving dude number two. And I'm not in the credits. I see it in the theaters. And I'm, I'm in the movie. I see my face. What do you do, driving dude number two? Driving dude number two is Angelina Jolie has just... Shot out of her red Dodge Viper. She's laying on the windshield, shooting yeah. guns like Jesus. Sideways. The bullets are curving, whatever, whatever. The car is trashed. She pulls up to a red light with a knocked out James McAvoy in the passenger seat and her trashed, gunned up car. And I'm driving dude number two is in the car next to them at the red light. And I look at Angelina Jolie like, and I do a very subtle, very single cam, like, oh my God, your car is so messed up. Look. Right. Can I and see it? Yeah, it's like this. It's like this. Really good. Yeah, like Was that. You, right, okay. And then she can, she does the movie star, like, smirk, like, I'm a yeah. hero smirk, and she drives off. Right. I'm in the final cut. I'm in the thing. No end credits. And I remember when I first moved out here, I was an extra doing background work just trying to pay rent. And I remember, like, calling, like, IMDb and calling, like, I'm, suppo- I'm supposed to be in the credits, but I'm not. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's yeah. so sad. Yeah. Did you did you talk to James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie in the making of this? I is... saw James said hello yeah. and Angelina said hi guys and I was like hey, but like when when Angelina Jolie came to set, they shot in the streets of Chicago, so it was on location. Right. Five Escalades pull up to take her from her trailer right. to the street. Tons of bodyguards and then Angelina Jolie, the skinniest woman I've ever seen at that time. I don't know what's going on today. Comes out and she's a movie star, and all of a sudden there's a. Mo- I've been waiting for five hours to shoot my scene, yeah. and all of a sudden a movie star is there. And it, it, you, not that these people have power; they're more important. But like the energy changes when a movie star walks into yeah. a room or onto the set, oh, and you're like, yeah, she's got it. <laughs> <laughs> she's got this. She's got the gift. She's got the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, that's great. All right, I'm gonna have to watch that. I'm so sorry about your credit. No, it's all have right. Have you written to the WGA? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll be able to help. It was a, an acting a credit. Yeah, I'm not a SAG member, unfortunately. Fuck, that's why you got fucked. Yeah, that's why. Um, are you in any other films? Any other jobs? As an extra, but not not prominently featured as Driving Dude Number Two right. was. Who was Driving Dude Number One? 
Driving to number one. So I was the one driving. Yeah. But closer to Angelina Jolie is the passenger seat. And he's more in camera because he's just because he's closer to the camera. Why is he fucking driving dude number one? He no, must be driving dude number what one. What face is he doing? He's doing the same. We're both doing the same face. The same, right. like, oh my God, your car is so messy. Did you know like, him? Nope. Did you make friends five hours sat around no, in the car? No, he was, they were all like Chicago, like, like I have an agent, I'm an actor. Like, I, I don't yeah. do that shit. I'm a comedian. Like, I just want to, I want to have fun. I want to make good stuff. The whole, like, people, there's a lot of people who are in the scene. In it just for the scene of it and not in it because they want to do good stuff. Yeah. He was in it for the scene of it, driving dude number one. You were, so, you were in it to be driving dude number two. You weren't I there was, the... I was driving dude number yeah, two yeah. in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't there to fuck about. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't there to climb a ladder. You were there because driving no. dude number two had your I'm fucking name. I'm the one who had it. to hit my mark on, and break the car. I'm, dr- I'm driving a car. If I go too far, I'm out of the camera, baby. Yeah. I hit my mark. I look at Angelina Jolie. I had to meet with the director to get the role. Right. In his office, he's preparing all the curved bullet stunts. And I meet him. And so I'm like, of course I'm going to be on IMDb, baby. I met the director to get approved. The director approved me. And then Did nothing. you just have to do that face a lot for the director? He literally, they were like, these are the guys for the car, the driving dudes for when she's, her car is damaged. And he goes like, yeah, they're fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously he's got much more yeah. important shit to do. How many takes did you do? I think probably like four. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, man. John the you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Now, here's the thing. When you your heart grew three sizes too big because it was so full of love and appreciation. But at a similar time you were still addicted to your iPhone and you got you got cancer. Yeah. And a lot beca- going on, yeah. Because of the size of your heart, you uh-huh. got like three times the amount of cancer of a normal person. Right. And it spread throughout. Very your quickly, body. yeah. Slower than would have liked yeah uh, it was actually quite a slow death mm-hmm. and eventually and no one knew what was wrong with you that you just kept saying my heart's just filled with love it turned out it was also cancer yeah filled with cancer yeah and it grew and grew and grew until your internal organs exploded yeah and you died yeah um and when we found your body because of all the exploding heart and everything it was much bigger than we expected oh. you did like your whole body had grown three right sizes. like it like almost like an explosion yeah so we take your body and we put it in the coffin that we got for you. But the coffin we got for you is for normal size. John right. Paul. You're now three times bigger. So we're having to cut bits of his leg off. Yeah. Cut bits of Stuff you in any way we can. Uh-huh. We managed to get all of it in. Yeah. Don't worry. But the downside is no room in that coffin for DVDs. There's, in fact, only room for one DVD that we can slide in the side. You take to the other side with you. On the other side, it's movie night every night. What movie are you going to show when it is your movie night? In, in heaven. heaven, with the angels, with everyone around. Everyone sat in the, in the auditorium, and you're going to present your film to them. What is it? Well, not The Cell, <laughs> uh, even though I had the DVD at one point. Uh, it's going to be Buck, or it's going to be Tommy Boy. Let me figure it out right now. You can't really lose here. Uh, it's going to be Uncle Buck. Perfect dance. Thank you so much. Uh, John DeWolf, is there anything you'd like people to look out for other than your Instagram, which is uh, Yeah, one of you got to hit up my in- I'm not good at Twitter. Uh, I'm very bad at it. It's much more of a visual I'm, artist. I'm, I'm a visual. I work in the visual medium, and uh, I'm a zaddy on Instagram. You can catch out my zad cave <laughs> and all my hot content over there, and, as, and a lot of baby pictures. Uh, so if that's your thing, tune in to John DeWolf. <laughs> Thank you very much for being here. Good night. So that was episode 66. Please head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for all the extra stuff with John DeWalt. And if you do enjoy this show, 
here's the thing. Subscribe to it. Give it five stars. And instead of a review, put the story of the film that meant the most to you and why. If you have a look, other people have been doing it. It's fucking great. And it also means more people can hear the show. I can keep making it. You can keep listening to it. We can keep doing this until we all kill each other or die and the world explodes. Thank you so much to John for doing it. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it, to Adam Richardson for the graphics, Lisa Lydon for the artwork. And thank you all for listening. Next week's special guest. Oh, it's a cracker. We've got Susanna Fielding from This Time with Alan Partridge. It's such a great episode. You do not want to miss it. I hope that you will be there for it. So in the meantime, everyone, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.